This is the New Mom Boss Podcast, where you'll find tips, tricks, and trainings to help you through your pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. I'm Calista Anderson, your host, and I'm so happy you've found this show. And I hope you're happy too, because I know it's going to make you look at your new mom journey differently. It'll help with little and big changes that will last a lifetime. I'm a mom of three, wife, nurse, and lactation consultant, and I share my big ball of experience as well as the new moms that I've helped over the years all on this show. So if you're looking for an awesome experience with your baby, your partner, and yourself, then I highly encourage you to keep listening. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome to the show, Amanda. I'm so excited to talk with you today and talk about a topic that is not commonly or the phrase of this topic is not commonly known. So I'm excited to kind of dive into that and what it means. But before we get there, I want you to let our audience know a little bit more about yourself and how you got into doing what you're doing. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show today. I really appreciate being here. And I am Amanda Gorman. I am a mom of two. I'm a childbirth educator. I also do some work for Postpartum Support International. So I support moms in their mental health in the postpartum period, in the entire perinatal period. And I am a birthing from within certified childbirth educator. And so that kind of leads into the topic that we're going to talk about today, which is a focus of non-outcome-based childbirth preparation. Yeah, I love that because I think I know what that means, non-outcome-based childbirth prep, which is a mouthful. But it is. you know, I think it would be helpful to our listeners who may not know what kind of birthing preparation class they should take or they're maybe already focused on one and maybe after listening to this conversation may want to change their mind. So just I love giving our audience as many options as possible. You know, you collect and collect and then select is my motto. And so this phrase, non-outcome based preparation, I think is a good alignment for that. So what is non-outcome based childbirth prep? Yeah, absolutely. So really, it's going into preparing for having a baby without being tied to a particular outcome or being tied to a way of giving birth so that really you're entering the birth space with a lot of self-compassion and just a lot of openness for whatever needs to happen to allow baby to be born. And so to get more specific not necessarily tying yourself to having a vaginal birth versus a cesarean birth or saying, I want to have a natural childbirth. Um, and I put that in quotations because in my opinion, every birth is natural. I've never heard of a baby made in a lab. So that was given birth in, in a lab. Um, and so I like to say that every birth is natural, but Stepping away from the idea of giving birth with pain medication or without pain medication, but really just being open to whatever the moment calls for. And so that's why it's non-outcome based. And I even will push 
to say that it's not outcome-based from the trope that you hear a lot in the birthing world of, well, all that matters is a healthy mom and baby. And I push back on that just a little bit and challenge it because, of course, we want everybody to be okay. We want baby to be healthy and safe. We want mom or the birthing person to be healthy or safe. And also, if a mother experiences a traumatic birthing event, then on the outside, she might look healthy. She, you know, made it through. She survived. Baby's here. They're okay. And physically, she's okay. But mentally, maybe she's not. Maybe she's really having a hard time. And mental health is a whole component of birth as well, in my opinion. And so that's why I say non-outcome-based birth prep can really encompass a lot. And I talk a lot about um, birth preparation in the frame of birth preferences and thinking about what your preferences are for giving birth, rather than talking about like a birth plan, for example, which is a very common topic that a lot of people talk about. I made a birth plan. I made a birth plan twice for both of my children. Um, But I particularly like the language of birth preferences because it really kind of frames it in the idea of if I could have, you know, an ideal scenario, what kind of things would I like, but then not tying yourself to that outcome. And if things go in a different direction, if baby needs a little bit of support in this area during the laboring process, if you yourself need a little bit of support in a certain area, and that kind of goes astray from the plan that you've put together or the preferences that you've laid out, then that's okay. That's accepted. And you've got, you know, plan A or you've got your preferences. And then if you need to pivot and go towards something else, that's okay too. And I really hone in on this, particularly because I've listened to a lot of my friends. I've listened to a lot of clients. I've listened to myself and the voices in my head and the thoughts I've had recall a birth experience with maybe a little bit of judgment, maybe a little bit of second guessing, maybe a little bit of, I wish this would have happened, or I wonder what it would have happened if I... That is totally normal. I've been through it myself. I know a lot of people have. And also, I think there's room for some self-compassion, for some self-forgiveness. And I think that if we focus on this non-outcome-based childbirth preparation, maybe there's even a little bit more room and space to kind of not even have to sit in the pocket of that judgment to maybe bypass it and have a little bit more acceptance. And again, self-compassion during the birthing process. Mm, I love how you laid that out. So for a mama who is on her preparation journey, who is looking to prepare herself for this big event of birth, if we're going to keep things non-outcome based, like how do they choose you know, the types of classes or how to best prepare for themselves? Like, what would you say to that? Yeah. So I think that there's a lot of options here. And I really like how you phrase that. Can you say that again? You're selecting, collecting. What did you say? Oh, you collect and collect and then you select. I love that. Yep. Actually, that was a a phrase my, it was regarding boys when I was younger, like a family member was like, 
do you have a boyfriend yet? You just collect and collect and then you select. I always love that phrase. So I, I love that for everything, for like learning about anything. And so I use that a lot for pregnancy and postpartum. There's so many options like you were just about to go into. Sorry for that digression. But- no, I asked. I, I love that. I wanted to hear it again because I really like that. I think that is true for going into birth preparation. And to me, thinking about non-outcome birth prep, it doesn't necessarily have to mean choosing one particular path or road or particular type of class or methodology. Now, I will say, I mean, I absolutely have bias towards birthing from within because that is the class that I took with my son, with my second baby. That is the organization that I work with and that I'm certified as an educator in. And there's a reason for it because I really, really love what they teach. I love the approach. It just really resonates with me personally. And so I say that because birth preparation is going to resonate with you personally, most likely. And so if you're collecting and collecting information about the different classes that are out there to then make a selection for what you're going to choose, I think just having the mindset of not being tied to a certain outcome is key. And so you can choose a hypno babies class and not necessarily be tied to an outcome and say, my preference is to use the hypno babies methodology to learn you know, what I can in the class and then tried my best to implement what I've learned. But if something happens or it just doesn't work out like that or in the moment while I am in labor, if it is just not working for me to give yourself permission to just let that go and just say, okay, I'm going to use whatever my doula is recommending at the time, or I'm going to listen to this nurse that I've you know just met, but I've connected with and let all of that be okay. I also have my own personal kind of analogy about selecting a birth class program methodology, um, whatever you call it. And my analogy is that taking a birth class or selecting a birth class is like exercise. So in my opinion, I think taking a birth class before you have a baby is a great idea. Just like I think exercising is a great idea. And most doctors and health professionals will also say exercise is a good idea. But there's a lot of different types of exercise that you can do. You can walk, you can do yoga, you can do CrossFit, you might play a sport. So just because someone's exercising doesn't mean that it's going to look the same, the intensity is going to be the same, the exercises that you actually do are all going to be the same. I look at birth classes the same way. And so there are different types of methodologies. So I mentioned birthing from within. I also mentioned hypnobabies. There's hypnobirthing, the Bradley method. I mean, evidence-based birth, Lamaze, the list goes on and on. There's also types of birth classes that don't have a name tied to them. I know so many doulas that provide prenatal education and birth education and preparation. And then I know a lot of hospitals and health systems that also offer kind of a a quick and dirty birth prep of like, this is what it's going to be like to give birth in our facility. And they may even go over like the phases and stages of labor. They may even go over some coping skills, practices, options. They may go over pain management options as well that's available at their facility. And so 
the birth prep that you select doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, a certain class. I also know a lot of community-based organizations that will offer childbirth education either for free or low income or just like within the community or even within a certain cultural group. And so there's a dozen different types of options out there, like more than a dozen. There's a lot of options. But I would say that keeping in mind that you can do a lot of research, you can learn. In Birthing from Within, we talk about there's different types of knowing. There's three different types of knowing. So you can learn in one of the modalities of knowing, which is modern knowing, like a textbook, like you would read something in school, study for a test, you know, you gather all that information, all of that knowledge, and you know that cognitively in your brain. But there's other types of knowing too. So you've got inner knowing, like knowing in yourself, knowing yourself. You also have ancestral knowing that's passed down. That's like that gut feeling. And so that's not something that you're going to learn in a textbook or in a preparation class. And so just knowing knowing that there's different types of knowing, I think is very helpful. And also knowing that whatever type of preparation you're doing to get ready to give birth, the moment when you're in birth is going to call for what it's going to call for. And so the other thing that I also like to remind parents is that when you're in what I call labor land, what a lot of us in the birth world call labor land, your cognitive abilities are not at the same level as when we're sitting here having a conversation. So the body is very, very intelligent and it conserves energy and they call it labor for a reason. When you are giving birth, it takes a lot of energy, no matter how you are giving birth. And so your prefrontal cortex, the top part of your brain is going to kind of chill out for uh, a lack of a better term. And the more reptilian part of your brain, the older part of your brain is going to really be the thing that's in charge. And so you might not have access to that knowledge that you learned in that birth class. You might not be able to answer questions as quickly as you normally would have. And then also, let's all keep in mind that when we're in pain, it's harder to answer questions. It's harder to think and make choices. And so there's a lot going on in labor. And that's why I kind of lay out all of these birth prep factoids of whatever you choose, whatever resonates with you, that's fantastic. And also knowing and having that mindset that being open to whatever the moment calls for, embracing whatever you need to do instinctually, do that. Be open to that. Don't shut that off. Don't think that you're doing something wrong. Please don't judge yourself if you're forgetting the mantra that you learned in the birth class, if you're getting the breathing exercise, like it's okay. Let it go. Yeah. So I want to touch on the the three types of knowing also, but for a first time mom, who's even looking into the tons over a dozen, like dozens of different birthing preps, it can get overwhelming. Yes. Right. Like how do I even research all of these to know which one I would like to do, which one feels like it's in alignment with me. So do you have any tips on how to guide someone on like 
picking maybe five or like, because you're not going to take all of these classes, right? You're probably going to look them up and then read the summary about these different birth education styles. What would you tell a first time mom who is just overwhelmed? Yeah, absolutely. I would say that you can do as much or as little research into this as you would like. And so if you, you know, come across one, two, maybe even three birth prep options that you learn about, you can just choose one of those. If any of those resonate with you, you can just choose one of those. But then to those that like to do a little bit more research and that have the time and space and energy for it, I would say think of a couple things. Um, First off, budget. So some classes like private classes, especially the ones that kind of have a brand associated with them, like the ones that I mentioned, those are typically a little more expensive, like expect something like a couple hundred dollars. And so think about your budget and just kind of go in knowing that, that usually like the hospital ones or community-based ones, um, they might be a little bit more affordable. If you have a doula, if you have already selected a doula and you have someone you're working with, I would say lean on them. Ask, first of all, do they offer childbirth prep and education? Because they might. And if not, do they have any recommendations? That's how I found out about birthing from within. I took the Bradley method with my daughter and I loved so many things about it. There were also some things that were lacking for me personally. It worked wonders for some other people that I knew and peers and they just loved it so much and they took it actually multiple times before they had other children. For me, I wanted something else. So I went to my doula and I said, what would you recommend? What's your favorite? And that's when she said birthing from within. So if you have a doula, ask them. So after budget, also factor in, do you want to do something in person? Do you want to do something virtual? Because there's absolutely both options. That was one of the silver linings of the pandemic is that so many more virtual offerings became available. So I would consider budget, then in person or virtual. And then from there, you'll have some more kind of requirements, I guess that you kind of know going in, okay, I know what I can kind of afford. I know what you know type of class I want to take. And then another thing that I would consider after those two would be time. So there are some classes and series that take a lot more time than others. Uh, for example, I'll just share my two examples that I took personally. The Bradley class was a I believe it was a 10-week class. It could have even been 12. It, my daughter is six. So it was seven years ago. But it was many, many weeks. I had to start in my second trimester. So there, w- I would have run out of time I start, if I started in my third. So that was a really long one. And then there are hospital ones that I kind of called the quick and dirty, um, like a, you know, a two-hour class that you go to at your hospital where you're giving birth or a local hospital um, or community-based organization. And they will go over birthing basics or newborn care or something like that, some type of a, a childbirth preparation in a couple of hours. And so if that is something that you lean more towards, then lean into that. And if you want something, if you're someone that's just really hungry for knowledge and information, and you are just like, can't get enough of it, that's how I felt then you might want to look into um, some different classes that have, you know, a series of classes. 
And then there are also different types of classes that are going to use different types of pain coping practices. So if you are interested in giving birth without an epidural, without any pain medication, that's absolutely fine. Just know that, of course, I'm going to hone in on this again. If you change your mind while you're giving birth, like I did the first time, and you decide, I'm really tired, or this is excruciating, or it's more than I can take, it's okay to change your mind in the moment. Not a failure, not giving up, not weak, none of those things. Strong, labor's hard, you're resourceful because you're going to be using the resources that are available to you in the moment. So I say that, and then I'll go back to if someone is interested in giving birth without pain medication, without an epidural, which is a type of pain medication, I do find it helpful to take a class that is going to provide some pain coping skills. And in addition to that, I would also say that it's helpful for most birth classes to have some type of a pain coping skill aspect to it. Because I have, of course, heard the stories of a woman who said, I definitely want an epidural and I want it as soon as possible. And they had a precipitous labor that went very, very fast. And they got to their hospital and there was no time for that epidural to be administered. And they ended up giving birth without any pain medication. And that was a surprise to them. Uh, So I've heard those stories as well. And I share that not to scare anyone at all, but just to remind everyone that pain coping skills are a really wonderful asset to have in your toolkit, regardless of your birth preferences of how you prefer to give birth with you know medication or not. And so, you know, I kind of gave that quick laundry list of the different branded programs, uh, but I'd be happy to run through it again if you think that would be helpful. But if you think that just kind of those, that rubric right there is good, then I'll pause. I think that was wonderful. Just, I mean, that is just kind of like a quick filter like self quiz of what you want or how to choose classes. I think knowing, well, how many weeks someone is and how much time they have left, what sort of budget they have to spend on birthing classes, what type of pain pathway or pain coping skills they want to learn is going to help narrow that list down. And yeah, just the time of like how many weeks you are, but also time of Like how much can you devote to digesting all the classes and all that stuff? Because the the pregnancy brain is real. Yes, it is. And it's not like the only thing you're preparing for, right? Like when you're preparing your home and your work and there's so many things you're juggling. And so I think those were all really great tips on how to even just where to start, like how to even choose. And I think that will really take the overwhelm down. And I think that was awesome. So also, I know you mentioned all the different types of birthing classes, and we can put that in the show notes as well so that they have it, you know, to look at when they're they're doing their own research. Hey, friend, I just wanted to take a quick pause on the episode and tell you a little message. Most of you know about my prepping for postpartum workshop, and that I hold it every two to three months. 
So it's a workshop where we create a postpartum plan for you over a few days. You know, I only hold it three or four times a year, and I've been getting a lot of messages and emails from pregnant mamas, and they wish they could take the workshop, but the workshop date might be too late, and they're approaching their due date, and they want to get it done sooner, or they may not be able to do the workshop. So I reminded these mamas, if you're feeling like you can't wait for the workshop or it's just too far away for you, just know that we can still work together and create your own postpartum plan on a one-on-one -on -one session. So if you are one of those mamas feeling that way, you know, you just can't wait for the next workshop, then this might work better for you. If you go to newmomboss.com forward slash guidance under new mom assessment, we can create that postpartum plan for you. Again, if you don't want to wait for the next workshop, go to newmomboss.com forward slash guidance. And if you're a mama who wants to wait for the next workshop, you can get on the wait list now by going to newmomboss.com forward slash pfp dash workshop all right my message is over now back to the episode you mentioned the three different types of knowing and i really love like talking about the spiritual stuff too so that might help someone who is trying to decide for themselves and collect a handful of types of classes or birth preps you know, when they start to research things, how do they know, quote unquote, like the three types of knowing because they might feel it and then they could be like, hmm, that's like a sign of knowing, right? So can you um, maybe go into each of the three, just a couple minutes each or, or less? Yeah, absolutely. So modern knowing is the way that all of us have really been brought up to learn. You digest some type of information, whether, you know, visually by reading, auditorily by hearing something, kinesthetically by doing an exercise or a practice, really how we grew up learning in school and even in like adult learning situations like trainings and things like that. Um, that's what most people think of, of learning as that's the modern way of knowing. And then the inner knowing or self-knowing is really knowing yourself, like knowing what your personality is like, what your likes are, what your dislikes are, maybe even knowing your pain tolerance, knowing what you do when things don't go the way that you wanted them to or the way you were expecting. Like just knowing that about yourself or knowing what you're motivated by. That's really that inner knowing, knowing yourself, tapping into embracing who you are without judgment, maybe playing the role of the observer. So if this is something that someone listening is tapping into the first time, I would recommend something that my therapist told me, which is just play the role of the observer. So just instead of you know, thinking, oh, I'm getting so upset about this. I wish I was more chill or I wish I could just go with the punches or this really bothers me and like, or what's wrong with me or any kind of judgmental thoughts like that. Instead of going down that path, just be like, huh, how am I feeling 
Like I'm feeling really annoyed right now. Okay. I'm feeling really annoyed about this situation. I'm really tense in my body. What am I doing physically? I feel really hot. My face feels itchy. Okay. Like I'm having like a physiological reaction to this. My heart is pounding. I want to leave. I keep having thoughts of getting the heck out of here. And just playing that role of the observer of like, what would you do if you just kind of like observed yourself in the moment? That's just a fun exercise that I do. I don't know if it's fun, but I find it kind of entertaining sometimes. It helps me laugh at myself, especially when I'm in those moments of just like, ugh. So that's just one way of kind of like tapping into that inner knowing, knowing thyself. And then there's always like really fun things that are out there to get to know yourself, like Enneagram, astrology, different personality tests, like archetype Jungian stuff. Um, So that's also something that I would encourage and that I think is just kind of fun. And I do say that that's fun because everybody likes to talk about themselves. They like to know more about themselves or hear aspects of themselves reflected back about like, oh, this is how all Aquariuses are. That's totally me. That's totally me. I absolutely do that. So that's kind of that realm of inner knowing. Then there is ancestral knowing, that ancient knowing. People will talk about this as like, on the negative side of things, I'll talk about it as like generational trauma, or we hold generational trauma in our body, in our DNA. Now on the positive side, uh, or the more positive side, this is like having that connection spiritually with knowing in your gut something, or like you can't explain it. You don't know why you have this gut feeling about whatever it is, but you just feel this way. Or you're like, you change your mind about something because you have this gut feeling. Now, also speaking from the spiritual realm, some people have said or see regularly signs in the universe. And, you know, they might call it their spirit guide or their ancestors kind of pointing them in a certain direction. If, you know, you're someone that believes in a higher power or God, you might have that spiritual connection as well from a higher power and get those signs as well. But this is also ancient wisdom that you can also feel in your body. So sometimes like the inner knowing and the ancestral knowledge can kind of like go hand in hand. But this is really like your instincts. I think that's another great word for it too. Like what are my instincts? The knowledge that was passed down to me that's really held in that reptilian part of the brain. What is this knowledge trying to communicate to me? And this does show up a lot in birth. And so this is why a lot of people will say, you know, they wanted to kind of retreat at some point in labor. They wanted the lights dimmed. They wanted things quiet because they're kind of tapping into that instinctual knowing of their nervous system and tapping into the parasympathetic nervous system which really aids in the birthing process and everything that your body needs to do to give birth and to kind of get away from that sympathetic side of the nervous system that is turning on that fight, flight, or freeze that brings on adrenaline and that can actually impede the birthing process. So this definitely shows up a lot in birth. And then the other cool thing that I love about it that I've learned from many people in the birth world that have been doing this for a lot longer than I have is tapping into the idea of ritual 
or ceremony or honoring the process or the transformation, um, looking culturally within your own culture, looking into your family's history, your family's culture. What were the things that the people that came before you, what did they do to honor this time, this transformation? And do any of those things resonate with you? Do you want to bring that into your birth preparation process or your postpartum period as well? I love all of that. I really do. You mentioned you'll just have these instincts. And I don't know about you, but something about becoming a parent, a mom, really does bring up a lot of those like intuitive senses. If you're listening to this now and you're kind of a little bit overwhelmed or paralyzed about what kind of class you want to take, and you know, this is one of many things you have to do, you know, this might be a good practice to use your knowing and using this model of non-outcome based preparation for everything. I really think using everything that you kind of guided us through as a filter to pick and choose and then just kind of leaving the rest to being open is going to be very helpful. So I really loved all that that you said. And the the piece about looking to your ancestral or cultural background, I think is something that a lot of us don't do because we're so focused on the latest and newest things. But sometimes the treasure is in like the older things, the ancient things. I would say most times we just don't really know a lot about it. They've lasted all these centuries for a reason. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, thank you, Amanda. I know we were going to talk about what you wish you knew before you became a mom. And if you're not already following Amanda on social media, I highly encourage you to follow her because she has just a ton of quick tips that are so funny and just so easy to digest. And one of the series is what I wish I knew before I became a mom. She has like all these videos on that. But what would you say before we wrap up are your three top things of what you wish you knew before you became a mom? So the first one is not one that I was able to put into a quick 17 second, you know, TikTok video. Um, And since we have a little more time and space, I'll, I'll touch on that first. And that was processing my birth story I wish I would have known how important that was. And I wish that I would have dug into that a little bit sooner, especially after I had my first daughter. Because when I got pregnant with my son, uh, my second child, it wasn't until I was in my second birth preparation class that I dug into that. And I realized how much judgment, how much self-judgment, not only I had in the moment while I was giving birth, but I was still in that. I was still in that frame of mind of judging myself of, I wish I would have done this, or maybe it could have gone different if I had. And really sitting in that, that role of kind of like the victim slash judge turnstile of going round and round and round of that. I wish that I would have dug into that a little bit sooner. I'm glad that I did. And I'm very grateful that I did. But that's the first one. Uh, My second is. I wish that I would have known that skin to skin isn't just for the golden hour right after birth. 
there was a lot of emphasis when I was doing birth preparation on skin to skin, the golden hour, and it's so good for baby. And it absolutely is. Also, it's good for weeks and weeks after baby is born. It has so many benefits. It can help just regulate baby's body temperature, regulate them with your own rhythm and bonding with baby so that they're right next to you and hearing all of those sounds that they heard when they were in utero, hearing you know the sound of your heart beating. They also have the smells that they're familiar with on you. Um, and I mean, it's just precious, of course, too, just having your baby like right there on you, skin to skin. Like I have so many fond memories of that. I wish I would have known about that. And I wish other moms would too, especially for the moms who didn't get that golden hour because baby needed more support or they needed more support or they were in a cesarean birth where that wasn't possible. I wish they would have known about skin to skin outside of the golden hour because I've talked to a lot of people who felt like they missed out or they wish they could have given that to their baby. And I wish I could have been there to say like, you didn't miss much. Like as soon as you're feeling up to it, put that baby under, you know, skin to skin, just open up the little onesie or put them in a diaper, put a blanket over you and, you know, get yourself a button down shirt. That's what I had all postpartum with my second and just hang out like every day, do as much as you want. And then the third, I wish I would have known about awake intervals. That is something that I talk about a lot in like all of the content that I put out there is that awake intervals. So that is how long baby is awake in between sleeping sessions, whether that's waking up in the morning from a nighttime sleep to first nap or in between nap one and two of the day um, or between the last nap of the day and before they go to bed. So that awake interval is how long baby's awake. I wish I would have known that this was something to pay attention to because that is the number one thing that helps babies sleep better is paying attention to like what an quote unquote appropriate awake interval is or awake window is another synonym for that. Knowing how long is appropriate for a baby of a certain age is a game changer with sleep. And this is not something to go into fear or judgment about. I didn't know. And I just like went about my life when my first baby was born, when my daughter was born. And then she slept just fine for the first three months. And then we hit the four month sleep regression and my life was rocked. It was rocked for months. And then I learned about baby sleep and I got help from a sleep consultant and it was a game changer. But I did feel silly not knowing about it or not realizing the importance of like putting my baby down for a nap at a certain time. And in retrospect, I can let go of that a little bit judgmental thought of feeling silly because why in the heck would I have known about this? I wish I would have known, but but like who was going to teach me that, right? So shoulda, woulda, coulda. It's just one of those things. But then when I knew the second time around with my son, absolute game changer. I knew when he was two months old, he's probably not going to be able to be awake longer than an hour, get him down for that nap after he's been awake for an hour and just rinse and repeat, keep doing this every single day throughout the day. And then when he was six months old, you know, it's stretched out to more like an hour and a half to two hours. 
But just knowing that and then keeping him on that sleep schedule as much as possible, I never had to sleep train him. And that's not always the case for all babies. But for me, it was like, oh, this is such a relief. He knows how to fall asleep on his own. I never had to sleep train. I never had to worry about like letting him cry by himself, which I personally wasn't into. And it just made all of our lives so much easier. So that that's going to be my third. Oh, so good. So good. And you're right. Like, because, you know, you were probably focused on other things that you like aren't paying attention or you don't know that you should learn about certain things. Like for me, like this, the awake time for my, my baby was like, I knew that newborns could not stay awake very long. Like they just woke up to feed and be changed and cuddled and then put them back to sleep. So I did that. I knew that. But then at a certain point, like I kept doing that. And I remember I would try to put her back to sleep and, and my mother-in-law was visiting and I was having trouble putting her back to sleep. And she's like, well, maybe she just wants to stay awake and play. And I was like, oh, I guess maybe it's time for her to stay awake a little bit longer. But I was like focused on our routine and like, you know, you got to put her back down. So it's, it's kind of funny. Like we learned something and then we, you know, there are like so many changes, like every few weeks, something's changing with the baby. And so it's just a lot of changes, like milestone every week of some sort. And yeah, I I love that you always bring it back to not judging yourself, because we coulda, woulda, shoulda, like everything. And that's not going to help us when we're like, we I should have known this, I should have. So thank you for that reminder. And it's a never ending reminder for us juggling everything as moms. So thank you for that, Amanda. I loved everything you shared. It's so, so good. How can people find you or follow you? Absolutely. I am at Finding Your Village uh, everywhere. <laughs> Not everywhere, but <laughs> on the social media platforms that I'm on. So I have the podcast, which is Finding Your Village. I'm on TikTok and Instagram predominantly. So you can find me there. And I welcome feedback, questions. Feel free to reach out, message me on any of those platforms. Well, thank you so much for your time. And I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, Mama, before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for listening to this show. I know you have a ton of choices out there, and I am grateful to have you here. If you found this podcast valuable, then chances are other mamas just like you will too. So if you could do us a favor, please leave a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. We, I mean the future listeners and I, would truly appreciate it. Because I'm sure you already know, small actions can have big ripple effects. Also, if you're not already following me on Instagram, go ahead and follow me at New Mom Boss. I love getting connected in DMs and getting to know listeners and also seeing your stories. And lastly, if you're looking for a like-minded community to go on this new mom journey with, then join my free Facebook group called New Mom Lounge. Simply type New Mom Lounge in Facebook and you should easily find it. All right, I hope to connect with you soon. Take care.